All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Welcome aboard, all of you. Thank you for being with us. You will be the ultimate jury in 103 days from now. This is the biggest tipping point choice uh, election that you'll probably will ever face in your life. The consequences of which, if we get it wrong, are dire. I, I, you know, start playing Bye Bye American Pie if it goes the wrong way. Only you will make that decision, not the mob in the media, the, the biggest donors to all thing radical, extreme, socialist, Democrats. Uh, you'll make that choice. 103 days. Will the media have to choke on the words? We can now project that Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States. The people decide. You decide. Florida decides. Georgia decides. North Carolina decides. Ohio decides. Pennsylvania, Iowa decide. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota will decide. Arizona will decide. Uh, as will Nevada, as will New Mexico, as will New Hampshire, as will the second congressional district in Maine decide. Every vote matters. Hannity.com, we have it up there. Interactive map, early voting times, absentee voting, who's running in your district. It's all there. You can get the information at your leisure. Can we please just go back to start the show and somebody maybe can interpret this for me, what Joe Biden was saying about the nurses and Walter Reed and whispering in his ear and and breathing in his nostrils. I, 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 I'm not quite understanding this. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear wow. and go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually... Probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get get me moving. This is not okay. Nurses would bend down. They'd whisper in my ear. They'd even go home and bring me pillows. And then they would, we can't do it during COVID, but they'd breathe into my nostrils. I've never heard of that kind of nursing. Nobody knows what the hell he's talking about, especially him. Um, you know, I want to warn everybody what's happening. And unfortunately, eh, well, look, I, I, I can't complain. This is the life that I have chosen. Uh, if you decide to be a public figure, you've got to accept that you're, especially in this environment, it's never been this bad. I started my radio journey 33 years ago. My TV journey is now, I'm in my 25th year at Fox uh, I give my opinions, strong opinions. I take people on four hours a day, every day. I don't mind getting hit. I get hit often. You get lied, smeared, slanders, besmirchment, character assassin and character assassination and libel and you know everything in between. It goes with the territory. I understand it. It's just I'm warning you. Democrats are now getting desperate when you start hearing words like stormtroopers. And you start hearing Gestapo-like tactics and, and so on and so forth. And the fear-mongering, which we will go through today, just know this is now the insanity season. It's going to get worse. It's going to build. It's going to get bad. It's going to be ugly because the forces that exist that are against all things that President Donald Trump, they are desperate they will say anything. They will do anything to ensure that Donald Trump loses. They don't want to choke on the words and the mob that 
Donald Trump, as we can project, has been reelected. What's happening, though, and what is at stake is literally liberty and freedom and capitalism versus the failure of socialism. I get it. I understand the appeal of socialism in terms of on paper. It sounds great. I haven't lived free or die an entire chapter about this, you know, chapter and verse, Venezuela, Cuba, East Germany, former Soviet Union, you name it. They tried it. It never works. A history of failure. It sounds great that all of your human fears, natural fears, you know, everybody struggles. They want to make sure that they're they're going to have a roof over their head and and food on their table and Most people want to know that they're going to be safe and secure and have a secure job. And they want to know that they're going to get a secure education. Uh, They I don't I don't know about government guaranteed vacations and government guaranteed jobs for life. Uh, You know, whether you want to work or don't want to work. I I know that people, you know, it sounds great. My retirement is going to be taken care of. My health care is going to be taken care of. Everything is taken care of. My school is going to be taken care of. My vacations are guaranteed. My this is guaranteed. The only problem is this is not anything that they will ever come close to being able to fill, fulfill. Medicare is going broke. Social Security is going broke. Uh, how did that Obamacare, Bidencare thing work out? Because the promises were clear. Keep your doctor. Keep your plan. And on average, family will save $2,500 per family per year. Millions lost their doctor. Millions lost their care, uh, their health care plan. And everybody's paying around 200% more. Almost 40% of the population of this country is now, they only have one Obama-Biden care option. Only one. Take it or leave it. Now, the mandate's gone because of President Trump. The whole thing should have been scrapped. There's so many creative ideas I blame Republicans in some sense because they had all the show votes, 65 of them. And then when it mattered, they didn't do it. The Senate, the same thing. But that's in the rearview mirror at this particular point in time. And, you know, now we even have the basic and most fundamental responsibility of government, and that's safety and security at risk. You have in Portland now, we're going on two months of of violence and chaos and vandalism and Police under fire being, you know, literally hurled people pelting them with rocks and bottles and bricks and Molotov cocktails. Guns are being shot at them. Uh, Knives are being stuck in their necks in some cases. 13, 1400 cops now injured. Now the Portland City Council has banned local police from ever working with federal troops. In Pennsylvania, they literally have a prosecutor saying any federal troops, by the way, protecting federal buildings that those federal troops will be prosecuted. San Francisco, their priority, safety, security, nope. Ordering police to display Black Lives Matter posters, okay? Anti-cop radicals attack the Oakland mayor's home to scare that mayor into defunding the police. New York City census numbers, I told you this was going to happen, now plunging because uh, New Yorkers are leaving. They're going to leave in droves. The real estate market in New York is about to hit record lows because people want to get the hell out. Uh, Their census numbers, well, this year's 53% participation rate, well below the 62% from 10 years ago. Uh, We had our local station, our affiliate in New York, uh, WOR AM 710, 
Uh, they did man on the street interviews and what a New York City resident saying they're begging the president to send in the troops, the people. And that's happening across the country. We now have 15 Democratic mayors asking federal troops to leave cities. Now, the president, when he announced all of this, he's only protecting federal property right now. Now, the FBI is in every one of these cities. They will be doing their job. They're looking for the leadership. Uh, the president is 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 vowing to do his part. He's begging these these mayors and these governors. He'll offer the help to restore order, law and order, to keep residents safe and secure. They keep rejecting it. As a result, you know, we just keep seeing the violence spiral out of control because criminals know they're going to get away with it. President's right saying the bloodshed, the violence has got to end. We know how to end it. The police need reinforcements. The president's offering it to them. Now, short of invoking the Insurrection Act of 1807, well, there's very little the president can do. The president does have the right, as a matter of fact, responsibility of protecting federal buildings and that he is doing that which he can do. You know, he started Operation Legend, the namesake, you know, has done a which recently launched in Kansas City, Missouri, very successfully named after a uh, legend, uh, Talaferro, who was a four year old little little boy that got shot. America's treasure. Uh, you have legends uh, mother on on wanting to fight against violence and justice. You know, these you hear the residents of all these cities scared to death. They, they can't pursue happiness when they're not safe and secure. The president offering, begging, pleading, and all he gets is rejection, threats to arrest federal agents that are doing their job. Um, everyone in Chicago has the right to live in, in safety and not fear. Uh, you know, then you got Mayor Lori Lightfoot, lightweight, you know, asking Chicago for help. OK, none of what she's doing is working. No other way to describe Chicago other than a war zone at this particular point in time. You know, she's saying what's happening in Portland. You know, that's not democracy unfolding there. That's what uh, that's what we call tyranny and dictatorship. The president's only protecting federal buildings. Those those liberals and these these idiotic, you know, hacks and the mob and the media, they're, they're just lying to you. Um, and they're, they're saying, call, call. We want calls to 911 to go after federal agents. Well, why didn't she prevent the mass shooting? Fifteen people wounded this week. You know, the president blasting the mayor for not asking for federal help. By the way, Chicago's not going to likely vote for Trump, nor New York City, nor Portland or Seattle. But he still wants to protect American citizens. You know, the, the president reached out to the mayor to confirm he had plans to send federal resources. She doesn't want them. They're not welcome. You have a Democratic congressman accusing the president of trying to, quote, instigate a race war. Congressman Bobby Rush of Illinois saying that and that president wants a race war in Chicago. Uh, you look at, you know, notes residents in Chicago have been asking for help for years and they put it out that, yeah, people want to be safe and secure. You know, now we have dead children and grand, dead moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. You know, Donald Trump, Leo Terrell said last night has done more for black America in three years than Biden Obama did in eight. He's right. And that'll all become part of the, the campaign if I never can utter two sentences and co speak coherently. And there's no substitute for police. 
This is the job of the mayors and the governors. The one thing all these mayors have in common is that they're Democratic, they're liberal, and they've now run these cities into the ground. You know, look, if 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 government's the answer, are they keeping this, their cities run by liberal mayors and, and governors for decades? Are they are they fulfilling their most basic role of safety and security? No. These are the same cities with the worst records in education. Government schools in all these cities have failed on a spectacular level. Uh, Social Security bankrupt, Medicare bankrupt, Obamacare lies and failure. Why wouldn't you try something new at this point? I mean, it's a a fascinating question to people. But you're going to see a mass migration, and you're going to see, unfortunately, these numbers are going to keep on happening. You know, the media, you have the Portland mayor attending, literally attending, you know, joining up with the anarchists that have taken over the city of Portland. He just, he, he threw his support behind them. Meanwhile, federal officers in Portland may have been permanently blinded by lasers. You know, you have a federal protective service deputy director saying federal officers might have, might now be permanently blind because of these lasers. And the Oregon officials seek a restraining order against Portland federal agents that are there protecting federal property, which is part of their mandate and job. And by the way, the law backs all of that up. Why wouldn't you want that? And now the leader of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, is saying the police are the enemies, not said one good word about the 99 percent that serve, protect and put their lives on the line. And of course, he doesn't use the word defund. Well, they focus group that it's better to say reallocate. That means defund. It is amazing the the way that they're now politicizing the president wanting to restore safety, security, law, law and order. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, this is all about the election. Why aren't the mayors and governors? Where's the sense of urgency? I, everything in my life is urgent. You know, it's why my blood pressure is through the roof. You know, I'm just living a constant state of tachycardia urgency, urgency, urgency. And maybe maybe I'm the idiot here in the end. But, you know, the the average police response, you know, they're not responding. They're retiring. They feel like they have demoralized. They feel like they don't have any support of anybody, you know, and, you know, then they're threatening to sue the president arrest federal agents that are trying to keep people safe and secure. I mean, it's it's stunning to me. And it's every one of these same cities where you have, you know, they've been run into the ground by Democratic governors and mayors for decades. You know, you know, President Trump member famously saying, well, what have you got to lose if you're an African-American or a minority to vote for me? That's a hell of a statement. But in the sense that we now see that there's a lot to lose. Because now the the whole Democratic Party is rallying behind a guy that has called the police says they've now become the enemy. I mean, when cities don't handle their own business and, and they're not protecting their citizens, there is a role for the federal government. That's just a fact. And the president's saying, well, I'll restore order and keep people safe. Oh, we can't have that. Why not? Portland is banning their police from working with federal law enforcement. You're seeing a slower police response, more burglaries, more crime, more protests. Why? Because all the anarchists have been emboldened by these so-called leaders. We'll continue. All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores uh, everywhere. We all have announcements coming shortly. Fun stuff, great stuff, uh, regional stuff, national stuff. 
I just can't get very specific right now. I'll tell you, if you want to look into the future, where is this going? When all of these states, if if I'm right, and if New York sees the continuation, the dramatic exodus from New York State, as even wealthier and wealthier people say they've had enough, 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 and it's not worth it, worth it, worth it, and they're finding places where they can get more in terms of land, less bureaucracy to run their business, lower taxes, dramatically lower taxes, less burdensome regulation, uh, less violence, less crime, uh, you know, live in a state that can actually manage its affairs and not send COVID patients into nursing homes and long-term care facilities that will protect innocent people where you're safer and more secure and a better environment to raise your kids, if I'm right, and if I'm right that that will continue out of California as well, it will. And if I'm right, it's going to spread to places like Seattle and, and Washington State. Uh, and if I'm right that it'll happen probably in states like Oregon and cities like Portland, for example, rural Oregon, Oregonians are now, they're leaving for Idaho. For after nearly two months of daily protesting, they're selling their homes and they're getting out. Idaho, well, I would assume property values will begin to go up there. Um, this is the beginning of an exodus. The level of incompetence, the the level of of government control in life, the confiscation of wealth is literally driving people out of the big cities and these liberal states, and you're going to see massive growth in red state America. And I think it's gonna, I think there's gonna be predictable areas where people go, Florida, Texas are the, probably the top two, but you can't discount Tennessee and Nashville. You can't discount places like the Carolinas, North and South. Um, I think you're gonna see those states now begin to thrive with economic uh, you know, uh, opportunity. Then at some point down the line, when, you know, let's listen to Andrew Cuomo, tax the rich, tax the rich, tax, tax the rich. Well, soon enough, listen to what he says. Tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. We did. Now, God forbid the rich leave. The rich are leaving. They're leaving California. They're going to leave all of these liberal states and all of these liberal cities. Chicago, too, Illinois as well. Now, what's going to happen as a result of people leaving? They're going to take their money, their businesses with them. And then the tax revenue of these states are going to plummet. If you think a billion dollar cut to the NYPD is is where it ends, I would argue that's where it begins. Um, Amer- people are not going to put up with it. Look, and let, I don't know people that are what we call trust fund kids. I know that I've told my kids, you're not getting a trust fund from dad because life is meant to be lived. I don't believe you give people everything. I'm like, you got to go out and earn it. That's it. You know, you can give little things to people and help people along and and have emergency funds for everybody and stuff like that. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not handing over massive amounts of money that I've saved to my kids. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because they have their own life and their own gifts from God and they've got to find them. They've got to live their own life. They've got to, they've got to dig, they've got to feel the stress of life. 
Otherwise, if you give everything to everybody, you're robbing them of the opportunity to be who they just need to unfold to be. You know, I love how the mob and the media, you know, Joy Reid last night was laughing about rising crime as, quote, a fairy tale. But they now fear a DHS invasion. I mean, there is cuckoo, you know, there's crazy stuff going on. There's crazy stuff. Uh, you have, look at Michigan. You have, you know, shut down Whitmer, defunding the police, cutting $115 million from state cops. And I'm like, okay, uh, how's that going to end? If you don't think cities can deteriorate and lose half the population, I would point to Exhibit A. It would be called Motown, the great city of Detroit, the once great city of Detroit. Remember, they, they were selling homes on eBay for a buck because they entire neighborhoods were abandoned. And then they eventually bulldozed a lot of them to consolidate services because they didn't have the money to pay for services <clears throat> as widespread out when they actually did have a big population. You know, the cleanup in New York, I'm telling you right now, is, is, is taking weeks. They're trying to get lower Manhattan back to normal. I'll tell you the other thing that's happening as a result of COVID, people are learning telemedicine works, teleworking works, teleschool education works as well. By the way, young attackers were pummeling a 12-year-old uh, boy in a Brooklyn deli. St. Louis prosecutors, they've ordered the crime lab to reassemble the McCloskey's gun. I mean, just madness. Um, and I'm just telling you that this is just the beginning. There's going to be massive ramifications of all of this. And if, you know, if the net result is liberalism, it's not going to work. It has failed everywhere it's been tried. And, you know, I'm watching the mayor of Portland, you know, out there with with those people, the anarchists, for, for two months. Oh, but he got tear gassed. Well, he was out there with the people protesting and, and getting violent with the police. What do you expect them to do? Um, the president's not sending in a massive presence of police. And I, if I had his ear, I would, and he's on Hannity tonight, I will ask him. Because as soon as he goes in, now you've got the mayors and the governors in 15 states not wanting him. 15 Democratic mayors. No, get out. We'll sue you. We'll arrest your officers if you're even protecting federal buildings. Well, didn't work well in Chicago this week. I mean, the mayor's making a big mistake. They're all making big mistakes. Comrade de Blasio, the dumbest idiot in the world. You know, what is he doing? He's not protecting the city of New York. In Philadelphia, SWAT police officers charged. What did he do? He, he used pepper spray on, on some protesters that were less than peaceful. You're charging the police. Okay, if you're in the police department, my advice is reconsider your career. If you can retire, retire. If you're close to retirement, hang in there and don't take stupid chances. And if you're young in your career, it might be the time to reconsider, you know, uh, another profession, even though you might have been dreaming about it your entire adult life. I know that's sad to say, um, but but you might have to. My advice to, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm still in New York. I got to get the hell out of here. Because let me tell you, the massive taxation is about to follow. It's going to be confiscatory. It's, you know, Joe Biden. Really? Okay. Joe, what's he's taking the side of the lunatics? You know, oh, Donald Trump is the first racist elected president. Well, I went through in, in chapter and verse last night about Joe Biden. We've gone over Joe Biden's 
uh, history on these issues for years. You know, it's pretty disgusting, pretty despicable. You know, if you want to talk about, for example, you know, all the stuff that's been happening, you know, forget the Democrats. Every two, four years, this is their go-to. Racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air, water, and a Donald Trump look-alike. At some point, it's going to be you know, pushing a grandmother and grandfather in a wheelchair over a cliff. That's what they do. You know, but if you want the record, I know there's a lot of symbolism and by the Democrats. But if you want to look at what matters, and that would be called action. Well, it was Donald Trump that took the action on the coronavirus and the travel ban and the subsequent travel ban and the quarantines. And Joe called it xenophobic and hysterical and, and fear mongering. How many how many hundreds of thousands of, of Americans likely would have contracted the disease and how many others would have died? You know, who passed criminal justice reform? It wasn't Barack and it wasn't Joe. You know, who did prison reform? It wasn't Barack, it wasn't Joe. You know, who did police reform? It wasn't Barack or Joe. It was Trump. It was Trump who ushered in record low after record low after record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. You know, Leo Terrell said it last, that President Trump has done more but minorities in this country than Joe Biden, Pelosi and Schumer than they did combined for 125 years. You know, the idea that that Biden's going to get away with, you know, where they're going to put you all back in chains again, which is, you know, or Al Gore screaming. They don't even want to count you in the census as he changes his cadence. And and when when addressing a predominantly African-American audience, which I think is condescending and insulting or Hillary, I don't feel in no ways tired. I mean, what is this? Because Hillary and Joe and Bill and Pelosi and Schumer, they they heap praise on the former Klansman, Robert KKK Byrd. Biden called him the dean of the Senate, a close friend and a mentor. Well, it was he's the guy that was filibustering the Civil Rights Act in 64 and the Voting Rights Act. And it was 80 percent of the Republicans in the House and Senate that got that done for Lyndon Johnson. Historic stri- uh, strides made with the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. It was people like Al Gore's father and Joe Biden's mentor that were fighting against it. Oh, it was, if it was Donald Trump, I bet the media mob would be talking about it. He was actively working with Robert Byrd and, you know, uh, to slow integration, opposing school busing. He led the charge on an issue that kept black students away from classrooms of white students. He worried out loud that he didn't want his children, as it relates to integration, if integration is not done in an orderly way, he didn't want his children to grow up in a racial jungle. Joe Biden said that. Joe Biden said, you know, inner city youth are predators. Uh, And, you know, who did opportunity zones? You know, who who is who signed off on the most money in the longest years of commitment for historically black colleges? That's all Donald Trump. You know, what, what did Joe Biden say, you know, in 2006? Well, you you know, you have to have a slight Indian accent to work at a 7-Eleven or Dunkin Donuts. I'm serious, he said. My slave's a slave state. I still can't get over that. Barack Obama, he called, wow, he says the first, the first first sort of mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and and, and clean and nice looking guy. Mm. I mean, that's a storybook. 
the first mainstream African-American, the first one who's articulate, who's bright, who's clean. It's storybook, man. Or just last year, poor kids could be just as bright as white kids. Like, what? You ain't black if you support Donald Trump. Well, imagine if, in fact, this was said by Donald J. Trump. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. So he right ratchets up. It happens every two or four years. It's it's just a par for the course. You know, I expect it. Um, but if you look at the numbers, their, their track record in helping minorities is atrocious compared to Donald Trump's. It's just a fact at this point. You know, what, what, have, what, what did they do? What's the record? Um, this race is now a new race, by the way, and it's now seen in the Rasmussen survey where it's now a two point race. There's been a major, a major dramatic shift that has taken place because Joe Biden and his embracing of the police of the enemy, defunding the police, Bolshevik Bernie's economic policies. He's using word for word. Then, of course, AOC's new Green Deal. And then add to that the rest of it. Pelosi, Schumer, Biden failure at a spectacular level. That's all. This is a whole new race going on. Now, the president just explaining on coronavirus. That's all good news, too. As the president talked about therapeutics, talked about the National Guard, talked about the progress on vaccines, talked about uh, all the PPE that is there. He just, you know, the president with his uh, Operation Warp Speed they're going to have 100 million doses of vaccine. The president himself volunteered to take the coronavirus first or last. Good for him. And, you know, so the president volunteered to do What did Joe volunteer to do? You know, Carl Rowe pointed this out on TV last night that when I guess Biden was on Joy Reid's new show, that that he was asked, well, what would you do differently on Corona? And he mentioned seven things, all seven things Donald Trump already did. Who's benefiting? A Yale professor, by the way, Yale, hydroxychloroquine could save 100,000 lives, but it's stifled by a propaganda war. How sad is that, that we politicized medicine to this extent? That, 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 that shouldn't happen in America, but, it, but it's happened, and it's happening. And it's, you know, apparently, I guess, just par for the course. And this is now the environment in which we're trying to, you know, save the country, get the country back on track. We wish it would stop, and we're glad the federal troops are here in Chicago because the violence is literally just as worse as the Pandora, the Pandaric. Pandemic. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we need more cops and federal troops because it's literally like we're in Iraq or something. Yes. So. It feels like we're, I feel like I thought I was in a, in a, in a war. Yeah. In a war. I want to be very, very clear that we will not allow this to happen in our city. And 
This could only make things worse, and I've sent this letter today to the Attorney General and to the Acting Homeland, Secur uh, Homeland Security Secretary, making clear formally that the presence of these federal officials, these federal officers, is not welcome here in New York City and is not needed here. We will not be intimidated, and if we see these federal officers on our streets, then we will see the Trump administration in court. The citizens of Chicago are citizens of America, and they have the same right as every other American to live in safety, dignity, and peace. No mother should ever have to cradle her dead child in her arms simply because politicians refuse to do what is necessary to secure their neighborhood and to secure their city. Every American, no matter their income, their race, or their zip code, should be able to walk their city streets free from violence and free from fear. For this reason today, I am announcing that the Department of Justice will immediately surge federal law enforcement to the city of Chicago. The FBI, ATF, DEA, U.S. Marshal Service, and Homeland Security will together be sending hundreds of skilled law enforcement officers to Chicago to help drive down violent crime. All right, that was the uh, president yesterday. Anyway, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, the pro president talking about this surge in of federal agents, Chicago, other cities. Now, again, this, this is not to take over what local police ought to be doing and handling on their own. Uh, it's not that in any way, any shape, any manner, any form. You know, Portland is banning from pol police from working with federal law enforcement. A prosecutor in Philly is saying that they will arrest any federal law enforcement officials. Well, they have the right to protect federal buildings. That's not going to work out well for them. Comrade de Blasio, I will see you in court. And meanwhile, the death toll continues. It just gets worse and worse and worse. You know, you hear the shooting. We keep playing it. The funeral, the witnesses calling for federal help. People in the city, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, they all want help. So the president announcing the surge of law enforcement to help the cities, protect the cities. In large part, the federal role could could be to, to find the, the agitators, uh, those that might be leading efforts of the anarchists. Uh, playing Ami Horowitz in Portland, it's, it's getting scarier by the day. Uh, and it goes on from there. Anyway, joining us right now is U.S. Customs Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan. He's prepared and ready to help the president restore safety in the cities in this country and offering to uh, send uh, Customs uh, Border Patrol officers to protect federal buildings. Uh, our primary role is to support the federal protective services, and one of their primary missions is to protect federal buildings. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Mark Morgan, the uh, Custom and Border Patrol uh, Protection Commissioner. Sir, always good to have you back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sean. One good thing before we get started on this problem is the, the borders now have been... Really, we've made so much progress. I hear we've now hit the 250-mile mark in terms of new wall that has been built. 
I know the president was talking about over 400 miles being built by Election Day. That's 103 days from now. Do you believe that goal will be achieved? Absolutely. In fact, I was at a meeting of the White House uh, just this afternoon, Sean, and, and Jared Kushner was leading that meeting. He's been a, uh, an absolute a, a critical part of this. And absolutely, by the end of this year, uh, I have no doubt we're, we're going to meet that 450 miles of wall system built along our southwest border, Sean. Uh, in fact, you know, I think this is a great example of, of the, the, the very much complex mission that we do. And so as we're, we're navigating through COVID, we're, we're helping with civil unrest, as you just described, but we're also doing other things we need to do, like, like build miles of wall to help safeguard this country and uh, pr- proud of the men and women of the CBP. How many miles in total are we talking about maybe by the end of the year, do you think? I think we're going to reach that 450-mile mark and kind of knock on wood. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I think it's possible we're going to exceed that mile mark. In fact, we're confident. Just, just even during COVID, uh, this past week, we hit our, our milestone of, of two miles per day, and we hit the highest per week uh, number of miles to almost 10 miles in one week. Uh, and then we're getting better. And, and we, we think we're going to get to 300 miles by the end of August. So that, that 450 by, by the end of this year, I, I think we're going to hit that and then some. Uh, that that's spectacular. All right, let's talk specifically about what the role is in terms of the Federal Protective Services. And one of the primary missions is to protect federal buildings, which is what is happening, for example, in Portland and some of these other cities. Um, and that would also include the United States Marshals, ICE. Uh, they have deployed law enforcement personnel to support, supplement uh, FPS personnel to safeguard federal buildings. Uh, that, that's, that's already in the, the code title 40 us, uh, C 1315, uh, of us code. That's where the statutory authority and responsibility comes in to be able to do that for the president. That doesn't mean they protect the whole city though. Uh, so that's exactly right. And so all your listeners uh, and, and a lot of these mayors, I, I mean, it's pure ignorance and politics. And, and look, that, that's a non-political statement for me to say, because if you look at Title 42 USC 1315, you just described, it, it directs the secretary. It, it doesn't ask him if, if he wants to or if it's okay with you. It directs him that he must protect federal property. We have a little under 9,000 federal properties in, in the United States. And that code you just described that you know well mandates that we protect those federal buildings. And as the secretary said, and I agree, I mean, think about a federal courthouse. It's the seat of American justice. So, of course, we're going to go. We have a statutory authority and responsibility to protect federal property, especially a courthouse. And just the ignorance that's out there on TV questioning our authority to be there is just reckless and irresponsible. Um, I totally agree. Now, when you hear the the mayor of New York, and I'm calling her now Mayor Lightweight because, you know, you look at this violence, you look at this carnage, you look at this death, you look at no safety, no security. You know, I keep saying it's a preview of coming attractions. Portland is another case. We saw the tragedy that happened, which was the Seattle Chop Summer of Love Zone. And these mayors, you know, I was watching last night, the, the mayor in Portland is out there marching with the anarchists. Those that are involved in the violence, those that are involved in the vandalism, uh, those that are involved with conf- conflicts with the police. And I'm like, wow, I mean, why don't, they're just joining in now at this point, not only just giving them a license to be lawless, but now joining in sort of like the sanctuary city, sanctuary state battle you've been fighting for years. So that, that's absolutely right. And what you saw in the mayor in Portland, he's actually encouraging 
the acts of violence. And let's make no mistake, here's another false narrative. He, he wants to actually blame law enforcement. Actually, just the mere presence of law enforcement doing their statutory responsibility. The, the, your listeners need to fully understand, the violence in Portland started weeks before we put additional resources there. In addition to that, then we got additional credible information and intelligence that these criminals were going to target the federal building. That is what precipitated us giving additional resources there. And guess what? The first night that we did have additional resources, we were inside the federal courthouse, and guess what they did? They did exactly as they threatened. They attacked the courthouse. They broke down windows. They smashed in the doors, and they tried to enter the courthouse and assault federal officers who were inside. That's the first night, and every day uh, for the, the last 40 days, they've been doing that every single night. Can, can coming together, coordinating, planning, and organizing with the willful intent to destroy federal property and intentionally harm federal officers. Those aren't protesters, Sean. Those are criminals. Well, they're criminals, but what, what do you make of why won't mayors and governors restore law and order? Well, you know, I mean, we're now we're, we're talking about significant numbers of people shot and Americans dying. And, you know, what are we heading up to 1500 law enforcement now injured in the course of all of this and rocks and bricks and bottles and Molotov cocktails, guns and knives. And and they do nothing and they break up nothing and innocent people are harmed and other innocent people die, and they don't want help, nor will they take action to restore safety and security. I'm, you know, to me, it's like a preview of coming attractions. What I've been arguing politically, and you don't have to get into a political debate, is, okay, if you want to know what Joe Biden, Bolshevik Bernie, AOC, uh, Bozo O'Rourke, Pelosi, and Schumer's America is going to look like, take a look at New York, take a look at Chicago, take a look at New Jersey, take a look at uh, these these varying cities. Take a look at Oregon. Take a look at Portland, Seattle, Washington. Take a look there, California, because they're little microcosms. What do we see? We see lack of safety and security, lawlessness. We see in educational systems in all these big cities have been disastrous. Uh, they have failed at a spectacular level. If you want to know what a preview of coming attractions of this radical leftism and socialism, well, you need not look further than Social Security being bankrupt, Medicare being bankrupt, and Obamacare. Millions lost their doctors and plans. Everybody's paying around 200 percent more, and nearly 40 percent of the country has only one Obama-Biden uh, care exchange option. So that, that's the false promise of socialism. Well, Sean, I, I tell you, and again, uh, you're right. I, I, I don't want to get into the political round, but I don't need to here. I, the, 30 years of law enforcement experience in, the, in this country. And what I can tell you is what I'm seeing in those cities you just described is they're absolutely putting politics above public safety. There is no other explanation. Again, let's take Portland, for example. So you have an, a local leaders who are absolutely encouraging the violence. They're actually blaming the violence on the law enforcement presence there instead of the criminals, and they're doing nothing. They're, they're, again, they're actually encouraging. I mean, there's a couple of easy things they could do, like, like institute um, curfews. What, what a straightforward, simple example they can do, because we know these individuals every night about 10, 11 o'clock, that's what they're doing, and they're staying out till 4 in the morning. Uh, they've actually, Sean has actually gone further. He, the, the mayor there has actually kicked federal law enforcement out of the law enforcement local command center. The city council uh, passed a resolution that forbids them to share any information and intelligence with, with federal agents that are there that could jeopardize their lives. It, it, this I, I want to pick this up on the other side. Uh, we have with us U.S. Customs Border Protection Commissioner uh, Mark Morgan is with us. 
uh, his group are standing by ready and helping restore safety and security, especially federal buildings uh, all across the country that are now under fire and threats to be burned to the ground, etc. Uh, I want to get his take on what he thinks of the comments of the vice Pre- of former Vice President Biden, presidential candidate Biden. And as we continue with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan, and by the way, he and his group, by the way, they have a primary role and part of their mission is to protect federal buildings. They're helping the president do that in these lawless cities we keep talking about. You heard uh, Joe Biden say police have now become the enemy. Joe Biden has not said one word in defense of the 99 percent of good police officers. Now, what, 13, 1400 hurt? since all of this rioting and anarchy began. And then he said that, of course, he'll reallocate funds. He like he prefers the word reallocate rather than defund. They've Democrats have now changed their verbiage, but they mean the same thing. Your thoughts on what he said? You know, Sean, I, I, I along with a lot of dedicated men and women who, who put the badge on every single day to protect the citizens that, that, where they live and they have families. I, I'm disgusted by those comments. I'm disgusted by, by that we have a presidential – look, I, I got to say out of politics, but, but look, it's very frustrating for me when any political leader actually attacks the men and women of law enforcement. I know their hearts. I know their character. I know that every single day they get up willing to sacrifice it all, including their lives, for the defense of those that they're protecting. And so it's outrageous now that that, though, that that group of law enforcement professionals have become the problem. Now, of course, I haven't talked to a single law enforcement uh, professional that says, for example, what happened to George Floyd wasn't tragic and those officers should be held accountable. Of course, we should have meaningful dialogue to, to, to get better, to increase the public trust of those that we serve. Of course, those are all righteous things we should be move, moving forward and be united. But, but Sean, you, you, you've articulated, that's not what's happening here. It's, it's lawlessness throughout the country, and they want to talk about defunding, reallocating your officer. It's the same thing. At the, same, at the very time, that's not the answer. We should be putting more money in the police department, getting better training, better resources, and I could go on and on. And right yeah. now, the violence going on in the cities and the uptick of violent crime across major cities clearly indicates that's not the answer. That's a reckless, reckless way of handling this. All right, Mark Morgan, thank you for being with us. He is the U.S. Custom and Border uh, Protection Commissioner. Sir, as always, thank you for your good work. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Your calls are coming up next. 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Um, I never thought I'd see in my lifetime this level of radicalism. I always believed, and Linda and I were discussing this yesterday, I always believed that the left wing was the the fringe. It was never the majority. For some reason, this this new modern democratic socialist uh, anarchist supporting party seems to have uh, they've at least concluded it's more mainstream than it is. Now, people keep asking, Linda, you keep getting asked the question. I keep getting asked the question. What's going to happen in 103 days? I can't answer that question. Nobody can. We don't know. Oh, I answer that question every time. You're going to say Donald Trump's going to win. I I do not. Donald Trump is going to win. Okay. Now, listen, in fairness to you, I kept Mm -hmm. saying he can win, but I don't count on anything until I hear the magic words. Now, this year would be the media mob choking on the words, having to say we can now 
project that Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States, but which would be worth the price of admission. Let's be honest, just to watch their liberal faces collapse in their, you know, their I mean, the dark cloud that will cover their heads, all of their work for four consecutive, five consecutive years down the tubes of smearing and slandering and besmirching. Um, I use my football analogy. Never going to take get rid of it, which is you got to act from now for the next 103 days because it's all on the line that you are six points down. You have no timeouts. You're on your own 20. You got to march down the field. That's a football field, Linda. 80 Mm -hmm. yards. The football has to cross the plane. That would be the goal line. And then you got to pick you got to kick the extra point to win. That's how I'm viewing this election, because every any Republican to win must run the table you don't think your state's important i'll name the most important states the the ones that are always close and that would be for example florida we know demographics georgia north carolina things are a little tighter than they once were according to everything that i read you have to you have to win ohio no no republicans been elected president without the the buckeye state iowa gotta win iowa it's a must win uh, you similarly have to win Arizona. Then you have to pick off Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, maybe Minnesota's in play this year. That would not surprise me. Uh, you got to look at Nevada. That should hopefully be in play. Then New Mexico, then New Hampshire, then the second congressional district. Believe it or not, that one electoral vote can make the difference between winning and losing. That's how important that district is in this election. You know what I think um, would be an important point to make here? And I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I also, I feel very strongly that there's a lot of people that have not been polled. And I always say this to John McLaughlin and Matt Towery when we're talking and Scott Rasmussen. I'm like, where are these polls coming from? Because no one's ever called me. That's way, 100%. It's a two-point poll in the Rasmussen reports today, which is different than Scott Rasmussen, but they have it a two-point race. Look, there are certain candidates we know. Well, wait, wait, wait. Look- Let me finish this point because you're going to like this point. Okay. So I think, you know, a big part of what we're seeing right now in America is a complete lack of information and overabundance of misinformation and conjecture and opinion from a media mob that has hated this president from 2015 when he came down the escalator. And in your book, Live Free or Die, you know, you have this chapter and you know it really it, it, the title is amazing it's welcome to fantasy land the democrats 2020 agenda you know we're looking at the new ad today with biden and obama i mean biden is still going back to obama to try to win an election i mean the guy doesn't know what cities he's in so he's got to bring in you know obama to help him out in the newest ad i, I don't even i can't even imagine how they convinced obama to do this quite frankly because you know he didn't Listen, the he times didn't that willingly. obama's spoken out for joe has been the least enthusiastic uh, it's support i've ever seen it's it's uh, you could tell it's painful for him and he feels yes. like well you know, why am I stuck doing this? Doesn't want to be there. It's very obvious he yes. doesn't want to be there. But but the it, fact yeah. is, and these are just observations now, 33 years in radio, 25 at Fox, that I can bring to the table with all this experience. And that is that you'd never have seen this before, where you have an open embrace of anarchists, an open embrace of radical socialism, Bolshevik Bernie. Uh, you know, he's we now have Biden now talking about Ten trillion dollars with, you know, new Green Deal monies, et cetera. AOC, Bezo, Bozo, O'Rourke. 
He want he's running on raising taxes. Uh, he's running on amnesty. He's running on the United Sanctuary States of America. He's running on killing off jobs in the energy sector. Uh, not just a few. It'll wipe out tens of millions of jobs. Ultimately, he's running on the government is going to give every single thing away for free. You know, th- there was always the subset of the Democratic Party. You know, we used to talk about the Scoop Jackson wing of the Democratic Party or even now more in more modern terms, say the Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman was rejected many years ago by the Democratic Party. Um, this was that's probably the first bit of anecdotal evidence where the party was headed. And but you've never seen an embrace of these radical views. I mean, they're not even look for all the people that might be convinced that everything free, free, free is a good thing. Just ask yourself, how did they do with Obamacare? Ask yourself all of these liberal cities run by liberal Democratic mayors for decades, liberal Democratic governors for decades. How well have they done with your child's education? There are some good school districts in every state, but in most cities in America, you have seen epic failure because of the unholy alliance with these liberal Democratic socialists and the teachers unions that help them get elected every two, four years. So it's it's that we've never had a bigger choice election. You're absolutely right. All of these promises are unfulfilled. It sounds great on paper that everything's going to be for free, but none of it is ever going to be fulfilled. If if their socialism works, Social Security wouldn't be bankrupt. Medicare wouldn't be bankrupt. The school system wouldn't be as decimated as it is, and they would be able to restore law and order and safety and security. Those are the most fundamental things that any government should do, and they're not doing any of them. And my observation, anecdotally, is that America is watching very closely, and I don't think most Americans are going to like what they see and what they hear and what they're watching every day and night. That's my guess. But I can't guarantee the outcome. If I could, but I also, you know, I, I, go I mean, bet. listen, none of us, none of us, I mean, we can bet, sure, but I actually, I, by the really way, do I would feel... like to bet on this election and I would bet on Trump. I would. Okay. But if I, but okay, great. if I, if I do, this is what will happen. Sean Hannity, he, he, he literally said this and this and this on radio and TV to help his chances mm-hmm. of winning money and betting on the presidential race. By the way, it is legal, right? I think you can do it in Vegas. Can you? I mean, listen, at the end of the day, if we make a friendly wager amongst friends, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not making bets because I'm telling you how it'll play out. Uh, I'd rather I I am so hyper careful on everything in terms of especially finances, taxes and the likes, because, listen, I think they'd love to put me in jail tomorrow if they could. Of course. That would be their ultimate. There would be nothing better than to have the headline. The ultimate. The ultimate. The ultimate. The ultimate. The the ultimate. Whatever. I mean, but uh, but to hark. Listen, let's get back full circle now to where we started, which is, you know, your book, the reason why you wrote it, what it means and what you're trying to communicate, which is, you know, you very simply are trying to make people understand that Democrats are all talk. Joe has been in office for 50 years. He has done nothing. Why would we reward nothing for the highest office in the land? It makes no sense. This is like Paul Revere. And I'm not comparing myself, please. You know, the mob and the media would take everything the wrong way. This is a 
Hello, wake you up. You do realize you could say the alphabet and they would take it the wrong way. You That's do understand true. that. Which, by the way, they've done. This is yeah. a moment. I, this is a, a cry to my country. And mm-hmm. I, if I could, I'd get on my hands and knees and beg every American to really think deeply about what's going to happen here. If these stated plans for the country are implemented, we will lose the country. And this is why I quote Reagan in the book. Reagan said, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. Every government program that guarantees your security supposedly promises that mathematically can never be fulfilled. You're giving up your freedom and you're handing it over to federal bureaucrats. They can't keep their city safe. They can't balance their budgets. They can't educate your kids. They can't deliver the health care they promised. And all the things they're promising now will, will fail on a spectacular level. And then if you're talking about revitalizing America, rebuilding America, they're going to take the greatest economic system that has created the most innovation, the most wealth, the greatest prosperity, the most innovation in terms of advancement of the human condition that we've shared with the world, and you will gut it. You will destroy it, and I don't think it's, it'll be irreparable damage. You will but never be able do, to fix Sean, it. And America we- will go down as an asterisk. It'll go down as yet another failed governmental system because we got away from original principles, liberty and freedom. The idea that, you know, we're endowed by God, not government, with natural rights, among which are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. You can't pursue happiness. But as happiness. they rewrite history, Sean, they are rewriting a history that fits their own narrative. They're not reminding people about the Bolsheviks and Stalin and the moments in Venezuela and what we saw in Cuba. You know, all these, you know, Castro moments. They, they're not teaching this anymore. So they're, they're marching in the streets asking for something that they know nothing about. And so now we have a, a candidate like Joe Biden who's flip-flopped on, on more issues than I've, I've ever seen in my life. And today he's coming out and saying, oh, Donald Trump's a racist. I'm like, I'm sorry. Can we take a walk down memory lane with you, Joe? Oh, that's right. We can't because you can't remember where you are today. But let, maybe we should. It's a very, very scary prospect that the American people are that mis- misinformed. And it's willful. And that's why it's our job. And, you know, your book, Live Free or Die, I mean, it should be, you know, required reading. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we launch it in now 12 days. All right, let's get a quick call in. Robert Long Island. Robert, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Yeah, we need to get the hell out of here. I'm just warning you. <laughs> I don't know where to go, honestly. <laughs> but uh, Anywhere but here. Know, just let me know if you find some nice spots to go to. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, going up on social media and seeing, um, you know, all the writing that's going on, it is, it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's going on in these, uh, in these uh, cities. I don't understand how people think that violence is going to attract voters to their cause. I don't think I don't think violence has ever been the answer. In fact, when I get into a debate with somebody, if they start if they go off debate and start saying things, you know, about me personally and about attacking me personally, I realize that I've won the won the debate. Again, there's there's a know, lot of truth in that, but yeah, but I'm going to tell you yeah, something. Are you going to be hanging out in New York City anytime soon? Not me. No, fortunately not. You know, so yeah, fortunately uh, yeah, not. Uh, yeah, and and we'll watch no. what happens. Mass exodus is on its way. I can't. Uh, I got to roll though. But listen, 
Robert, uh, thank you. God bless you. And 103 days. Maybe our vote won't mean as much as these swing states, but I'm still voting. Right, let's swing back to our busy phones. 800-941-SEAN. Sharon is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Sharon, how are you? We'll be watching Pennsylvania closely in just 103 days. Glad you called. Hi. How you doing there? I'm good, ma'am. Thank you so much for calling. Good. I just want you to know, first of all, I'm a born-again Christian. Second of all, I'm a black female. Third of all, I'm a veteran. So the fun police is dumb. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only thing, how are you going to reach the black community is get in the community. It's not going to be TV. It's not going to be a book. It's going to be someone talking having meetings with neighborhood watches, with all of those things, because that's how they are. You're going to reach people that way. You're not going to reach them. By, well, here's the um, message I would bring if I was Donald Trump, and I wish I could talk to you for an hour. The message I would bring is, do you feel safe and secure in your home, in your neighborhood, in your town, in your city? If not, I would like to help fix it for you. Uh, the record low unemployment We've had for every demographic group. My goal, I w- I've shattered every record before, and I'm going to shatter him again. That is my message. Uh, anyway, Sharon, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you for all you do. All praise, of course. Uh, thank you for being with us. When we come back, Austin Goolsby, well, he's in Chicago. How's he feeling about all the violence there? Straight ahead. We wish it would stop. And that we're glad the federal troops are here in Chicago because the violence is literally just as worse as the Pandora, the Pandora. Yes. So, well, I mean, we need more cops and federal troops because it's literally like we're in Iraq or something. Yes. So. It feels like we're, so I feel like I thought I was at a, in a, in a war. Yeah. In a war. We've got an unhinged leader of the fraternal order of a police who is craving and trying to get generate attention. We're not going to have people that don't know our streets, don't know our, our neighborhoods, and then are engaging in clearly unconstitutional conduct uh, uh, operating at will in our city. All right, there it is. Uh, well, I'm calling her now Mayor Lightweight. Um, I, I mean, I just go through the list again and again, and I just can't believe this is where we are as a country. I can't believe that keeping people safe and secure is a, is a controversial issue. This shouldn't be a Democratic issue or Republican issue. It is. I mean, the surge of federal agents. Oh, we don't we don't want the president here. Um, these are Gestapo tactics. Uh, these are stormtroopers. You you hear again and again. Now you hear the people in the cities like Chicago, New York, Seattle, Portland, and elsewhere begging the president that to please help save lives. Mayor Lightfoot asking Chicago for help. Okay, she rejected federal law enforcement's help. President's not going to go in to places where they are literally now all of these cities and all of these areas, 15 Democratic mayors now, Telling the president, you better not come into our city, threatening to prosecute federal troops that have every right statutorily by matter of law to protect federal buildings, for example. Um, What's happening in Portland is tyranny. Why? Because the feds are protecting federal property. That's actually part of their job. Uh, Now you get to the, you know, telling citizens, call 911 on federal agents. Then you have federal agents attacked. And you've got the other night, 15 people wounded, mass shooting in Chicago. 
Average weekend, anywhere between 60, 70, 80 people shot, 10, 15, 20 people dying. We're losing one-year-olds in these cities, eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Last weekend, you know, we lost this little girl, beautiful little girl in Chicago, seven years old, seven. Last weekend, a 10 and an 11-year-old were shot in Chicago. Uh, Seattle, you see what's happening there. Portland, you see what is happening there. And Mayor Lightweight over there is Trump is making a big mistake. Uh, if he thinks he's going to come into our city, we're not allowing the president into our city. Well, one person that's from that city is our old friend Austin Goolsby, professor at Chicago's uh, Booth School of Economics, former chairman of the uh, Council of Economic Advisors for Obama. I'll make one political statement. All of these shootings, and I'm, I spent time when your good buddy Barack was president and Joe was vice president, they barely mentioned the violence in Chicago, never mind fix it. And I would scroll the names of people shot, the names of people shot and killed, names Americans never heard of, and they didn't lift a finger to fix anything there. I've got to believe, Austin Goolsby, that you would like to see law and order and safety and security brought back to your city. I'm just guessing, though. Yeah, look, I do. And, Sean, I'm going to get you out here. We're going to go to Bears game if the NFL ever gets going again. Um, I'll I'll pay for the masks and I'll pay for the beer. Whether you you think they're doing a good job, a bad job, or what have you, you still got to respect the Constitution. You can't have federal agents with no insignia and no uniforms going out, not just defending federal property, but in unmarked vans grabbing people. Excuse me. They're clearly uh, unconstitutional. Excuse me. You can't do that. What the president is doing is protecting federal buildings. I will cite, if you're interested, Title 40 U.S.C. 1315, in other words, Section 1350 of Title uh, 40 of the U.S. Code, that, yes, in fact, allows federal troops to protect federal buildings. The president's only sending 100 people to Chicago. We also have FBI bureaus in every one of these uh, cities that we're talking about, and hopefully they can root out maybe some of the, the leading agitators in the city. Uh, The president, though, is offering help to your city. Don't you think that uh, your city has now become a war zone? Because I see it as a war zone, Austin Goolsby. You you should come out here and see me again, Sean, because it's definitely not a war zone. Well, let me play this. Let me play the sounds of just this. Hang on. Let me play play sounds from your city from two nights ago. And you tell me on this show that this doesn't sound like a war zone. Seventy people shot last weekend. Twelve died. Uh, Sixty-four people shot the weekend before. Twelve died. Fifteen shot on a single night during a during a work week just this two days ago. That doesn't sound like a war zone to you, uh, Mr. Uh, Goolsby, sir. Well, look, there, there was mm-hmm. my understanding of that event is there was some gang fight. That's mm-hmm. different than saying the entire city is a war zone. On the point of does the president have the right to do this? I didn't ask you that Donald question Trump yet. We can get to that to question. I'm ways, asking you. You're, you're, no, you're not facing a truth yeah. here that's bothering me. We're ha- tr- we I have here. on any given weekend 50, 60, 70, 80 people in your city shot. 
That's every single solitary weekend, Austin. Not exactly. And you know what I'm not hearing in your voice? You know what I'm not hearing in your voice? I don't hear urgency. I don't hear concern. I don't even hear you admitting that there's a problem. I've had great concern. We have, until this year, gotten been able in the last three years to get the gun violence rate down pretty substantially. Now no, that's not true either. Yes, that's not true. Yes, you're still yeah, having no, on a is. on a good weekend. It's only thirty or forty people shot, 40%. Austin. Well, the number of gun murders was down almost forty percent. Now it's going back up. We have a tremendous problem of illegal guns coming in from Indiana, where it's a lot easier to get access, and we share a border with Indiana. So we've got a we've got gangs in some parts of the city with access to illegal guns that they're getting often from Indiana, some from Missouri. And that's a tremendous violence problem. My point is that doesn't, the president is allowed to defend federal buildings. He's publicly saying something far greater that he aspires to than defend federal buildings. He's saying he's going to send agents in to try to go out and weed out crime in general. That would be called the Department of Justice and the FBI, and that was addressed by Bill Barr yesterday. Did you not listen to Bill Barr, the Attorney General? I didn't listen to Bill Barr, the Attorney General. You should. You can tell me what he said. In Portland, you got unmarked vehicles and people going out clearly violating the Constitution. And... They just need to tone it back. Well, first of all, let me educate you. Because if the president really wants to, and I would advise him against it, because I think that this is the responsibility of the liberal mayors that have ruled cities like Chicago for decades, the liberal governors, all your friends that have that have governed your state for decades, uh, your friend Barack, uh, your friend Joe, uh, both of them, there are over 4,000 uh, people in Chicago shot and killed while Barack was president and Joe was vice president. They barely mentioned it. And you're sitting here minimizing it. Well, the rate no, I, is down significantly. Like that is a crock of I'm crap. That's the biggest that's the biggest problem facing Chicago. Why didn't Chicago why didn't Barack and Joe do anything? Why? Rate in red states is extremely high. If you look throughout the South, in places where there is poverty, you don't care. There is also violence. Truth doesn't matter. Your friend Barack, it's his own home city. Four thousand shot and killed when he was president. Shot over four thousand. You're my friend. So my question is, why didn't your friend Barack? Why didn't Joe do anything? Well, for the same reason we're talking about, the federal government is not in charge of local law enforcement. They did give speeches. They came multiple times and spoke here. They worked with very few time and with the new mayor trying to reduce gun traffic. You can count it on one hand. That's not true. They barely mentioned it. And by the way, authoritatively, if you the president, if he enacts the Insurrection Act, he would have the authority based on every legal standard to, Uh, in fact, take over the safety and security. King and 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 he's not he's not he's not done it, but. You would rather the carnage continue. I'm hearing you loud and clear. You don't seem to care much. No, I care. You don't seem to care at all. I care. You don't seem to care that federal agents in unmarked uniforms and unmarked vans okay, are hauling okay. people off the street, okay. including Navy veterans. We have like 100. We're talking about them. 100 people. So cut the bull. You're, you're trying to turn this into Donald Trump is sending an army. He has not. 
Donald Trump is offering help. Your mayor is rejecting it, and you won't even identify that it's a war zone in your city. That is very troubling to me, Austin. Well, I said this is a critical issue. I'm objecting since I live here. You haven't been here in months. It is not a war zone. I have no intention of visiting soon, by the way. We have a gun violence problem in some neighborhoods of the city because we've got gangs and we have a flow of illegal guns coming in from Indiana. Why wouldn't you want the president and why wouldn't you want trained federal officials to go in and end the violence and create safety and security for every mother, father, grandma, grandpa, young child in your city? Why would you reject that assistance? Well, they didn't reject if it's coming from the FBI. They welcome the assistance. No, of the FBI. They, no. The your, your mayor, lightweight, actually did Trump. reject any help By from President own. Trump. No, no. Wait a second. President Trump's own declaration is not just "oh, we're coming to help you." He's sending okay. people All right. from Austin. You, not you, 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 law enforcement. Austin, unmarked vehicles, Austin, sell this to some liberal network that'll have you on as a guest. The president's sending in 100 people to protect federal buildings, and the president has offered your failed mayor. You know, it seems like, you know what it seems like to me, and I hate to say this to you, it sounds to me like you're more interested in beating up on Trump than you care about the safety and security of people in your own city that are being shot and dying every weekend. I don't hear the proper level of concern that I would expect from you, to be honest. I'll let you answer on the other side. All right, as we continue with Austin Goolsby, professor at Chicago's Booth School of Economics, former chairman, Council of Economic Advisor for Barack Obama. My question is this. Every time I talk about the president's only sending 100 troops to protect federal buildings, but he's offering your city help. You're getting every weekend 60, 70 or plus people shot. Over a dozen killed every weekend. To me, sounds like a war zone. You seem more interested in attacking Donald Trump than you do about solving the out-of-control violence that is hurting our fellow Americans. And I'm having a hard time dealing with your lack of empathy. I don't understand. You You keep adding this that I don't have empathy and I don't care about this that issue. I don't and hear it. completely false. And I don't for, hear it. For years... You have been highlighting the amount of gun violence in Chicago, and I have always, when we've talked about it, I have always said that's the biggest problem facing the city of Every Chicago. Every time I ask you, you won't even acknowledge it's a war zone, and you talk about it's the 100 zone, federal Sean. agents Donald Trump sending in. 100 agents can't solve your problem. Why don't you urge your mayor to bring in the federal help that will protect lives? Why federal wouldn't you help? want that? I, I'm, I'm totally for federal assistance. What I'm opposed to is politicized federal assistance of the form of these hundred agents. This isn't a normal law enforcement thing. And Donald Trump's own words make clear. Right. You, you, you're, you're lost on your fixation of Trump Chicago. hate. Here's the thing. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Are you ready, Austin? Okay. Yeah. okay. Your fellow Chicago residents are going to be shot and they're going to die. And the numbers every Monday tune into the show. And I'm not going to like the numbers I have to give out. Your plan is going to result in less safety, less security for your fellow Chicago residents. And you know what? You want to turn this into I hate Trump and Trump's idea no, and Trump's I, 100 troops. Go ahead. But, but guess what? Mom's little bait. Now little kids are dying. A seven year old girl no, was and, shot and, and killed. Stop that. And we have to stop that in a way that doesn't violate the Constitution. That's OK. Why didn't that. Barack do it? 
It was his home city. Because they're because why? It's not under the control of the federal government. This if is Barack would have offered the help, he didn't even offer the help. Trump offered the help. Trump is offering to help in a way that violates the Constitution. Read the Insurrection Act, 1807. Read Title 40, U.S. Code, 1350. Why, do I have to educate you on economics uh, yeah, you and the you're Constitution? Not, you know I'm not a lawyer. You know more about this legal stuff. I know about economics. How about you but just the, have the heart? Doesn't it make sense to send in, in personnel to, to stop the violence and save lives? I'm, wh- what's so hard about that? What personnel you're sending in? If it's like these people... Federal trained agents... Federal trained agents. agents. No That's what he's offering. In unmasked vans. Professional, professional law enforcement. That's what he's offering. Federal law enforcement agents trained. Offering. That's not what he's publicly offering. Yes, he is. No, he said he wants to send these agents <sighs> with unmarked vehicles and no insignia to go. He you know what? Next time we're together, Albuquerque you're paying for the tickets. You're paying for the hot dogs, and I'm, I'll drink the beer. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. You are so frustrating. I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give your wife another present because she has to put up with your crap. Austin Goldsby, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. When we come back, John Solomon. Woo, big report on uh, Dr. Fauci. Pretty hard hitting. That's next. All right, that's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, and we have announcements coming. We're going to probably announce things next week, uh, plans that we have, hopefully see some of you, uh, and much, much more. Uh, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, hopefully bookstores, if yours are open uh, around the country. Um, I know there's been a lot, of, a lot of controversy over Dr. Fauci. Um, over the years, I've, I've watched. He spent decades and decades of his life working on issues involving public health and safety pandemics and AIDS and saving lives. And I, you know, look, was he wrong about what he said? Sure. It's fine. In March, if you're young and healthy to go on a cruise ship. Yeah, he was wrong. Did uh, his comments about masks, not needing masks in March. That was probably wrong too. A lot of people are planning cruises over the spring break. Do you recommend that anybody even a healthy person yeah. get on board. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I think if you're a healthy young person, that there is no reason if you want to go on a cruise ship to go on a cruise ship. Are you satisfied with what is happening here in the United States in order yeah. to to prevent the spread? Yes. The WHO has issued, as you know, a, a, a public health emergency of international concern declaration. If you put all these things together. I underscore what Bob said. We still have a low risk to the American public. I think the American people, I know the American people, should really take the following attitude. The risk right now in the United States is really low. So it's difficult to present. I mean, looking at what we're seeing now, you know, I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that because it's, it's, it's excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're going to have millions of cases. We were all lied to by China, and I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to everybody and anybody. On the other hand, I think he's, you know, we we have articles out today that are very, very clear um, as it relates to, uh, for example, the use of uh, hydroxychloroquine. And I'm not telling people what to do. I'm just telling you what the information tells us. Um, The president, by the way, volunteered to take the first coronavirus vaccine. First or last, he said, defending Berks in an interview. 
Um, by the way, the president's the one that started Operation uh, Warp Speed to get us to a vaccine faster than anybody else. Uh, you see the, the president very, very clearly, you know, has been willing to take the lead. You have the Harvard School of Public Forum, you know, literally, uh, you know, if you listen to the science, you can reopen the schools. You have other people saying, excuse me, hydroxychloroquine can save lives. And it doesn't matter because now it's, everything's been politicized, unfortunately, that all things Trump are. Um, I was a little shocked by John Solomon. By the way, he has his new book out, a bestseller, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies and the Washington Lies that Have Enriched the Clinton and Biden Dynasties. It's an unbelievable read of investigative reporting, which John, of course, is known for. And I read his pieces on Dr. Fauci and a little shocked at some of it. Um, uh, we're talking about misappropriation of funds, for example, uh, very strong words and, and about AIDS, drug t uh, trials, foster children. I don't know why that would ever occur or drug trials in Africa being plagued by safety reporting lapses, you know, whistleblowers fired, reinstated. You know, a lot of allegations in here that nobody ever wants to talk about. And maybe we just put them on a pedestal too much. Ethics violations, failing to report outside activities uh, and much, much more. Um, I, I, I do think maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I always thought that his heart was in in helping people to get well. Um, I think I have a little more doubt today as a result of reading this than I had yesterday. And just the news dot com's John Solomon joins us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Sean. Great to join you, and congrats on your book. I can't wait to read it. Well, 12 days for me, but also on yours, a bestseller. Congratulations. Incredible research. Um, I was a little shocked by what I read. I don't, you know, I mean, there's so much negative and false things written about me sometimes that I guess maybe I'm, yeah, I right. tend to give people the, the benefit of the doubt, but... There are there are controversies that I never knew involving Dr. Fauci. What is your conclusion overall? Then we'll get to the specifics. Yeah, listen, I think overall Dr. Fauci is a man who really wants to make medicine better, who wants to help the American public. But as a manager, because remember, he's not just a researcher. He runs a very large, multi-billion dollar agency that leads on infectious diseases. He's had a troubled record as a manager. He's mis uh, there have been violations of federal law related to contracts. They've admitted to it. These are things are not in dispute. Everything in this story, NIH has admitted to after internal investigations. He fired a whistleblower or his team fired a whistleblower that had to be reinstated because the guy really did do safety things that were or highlight safety problems that needed to be brought to the public uh, attention. Uh, so, you know, as a, his heart's in the right place. He's a brilliant researcher. He may not be the best manager. And the reason we looked at this, Last week, he gave an interview and said, people should trust my judgment because of my record. So we went back through the record and, and gathered inspector general reports, audits, safety findings, whistleblower complaints. And we find a pretty systemic record of problems on patient safety, ethical conflicts, and uh, bad contracting practices, some of them that violated what's known as the anti-deficiency law. All of science got this wrong. Let's be honest here. Yeah, Every right. model was wrong. Uh, so yep. many, the, the person that ended up being most right, nobody will ever believe this, and most ahead of the curve was Donald Trump. The first yep. known case of coronavirus in the U.S., January 21st, January 31st, the travel ban, then the subsequent travel bans, then the quarantine, the first in, what, 50, 60 years. Nobody gives him credit for that. No, he doesn't and and the models were wrong, the, the prediction, 
China lied to the world, so you got to give everybody a little bit of slack on this. So my question yeah. is, is is he just a better scientist? Is he better than, and he has no business being the manager of any of this? Because he was wrong a lot, too, and it's not to criticize him. I think a lot of it's based on the fact that China lied to the world. Yeah, no doubt. Listen, that put us behind the eight ball. But you have people at the top of government because they're supposed to be at the top of their game. And, you know, when you look at his record, there are three things that stand out. One, he made some inventions of his own, one of them called interleukin. It's a, it's a thing that's being used in AIDS research. And he did so at the taxpayer's expense. And then he took the patent for that interleukin. This is not in dispute. When I originally reported on this in 2004 and five, he said, you know, it was wrong of me to take the patent and collect the royalties. I'm going to donate my royalties to charity. But that only happened because at the time I shined a light on that and it came into controversy. Um, when you look at patient safety, being a good researcher means abiding by the research rules that protect patient safety. It's always risky when you test drugs on new people. These vaccine tests of these brave people are taking the test now. You know, there's a risk to it. Everybody knows it. You mitigate that risk by giving uh, the proper safety protocols and ensuring that those happen. In, By the way, the there are 30,000 people now that are starting in three days, the yeah. Moderna vaccine, 30,000, and they're all volunteers, and there is a risk to all of them. Absolutely, and that's why you want to have the best safety procedures in place, just like we have for our police and our fire department. You do the same for patients. The, most, the one that stands out among all the things that are in Dr. Fauci's background is an experiment that occurred from the late 1980s to about 2000. And in that case, they were testing AIDS drugs, which have very powerful side effects on HIV-positive foster children. So these are children already vulnerable because they don't have their parents, right? They're separated from their parents. And the NIH and, and Dr. Fauci's specific agency committed, we're going to give every one of those children uh, a patient advocate to monitor their health in real time like they were the substitute parent. And that's how we'll do this study. And the study gets approved. And then they don't, in most of the cases, three-quarters of the cases, I believe it was, they didn't provide that patient safety advocate. Well, what happened? There were a lot of adverse reactions for these children, as you would expect with AIDS drugs. Ten of the children died in the study, and they're still unexplained. They, they, they're cited as a large number, unexplained. But at the end of the day, the failure to produce those uh, patient advocates violated the promise. It also, in some states where they did the testing, violated the state law. So Dr. Fauci had a big blind spot there. There was a woman who died in Tennessee. She was getting a drug, Neverapine, to try to protect her child from having uh, the transmission of HIV to the child. Good intention. But the woman, the, the drug is known to have liver problems. Let me when ask the, a uh, follow-up to this, yeah. though. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. At the time, wasn't AIDS a death sentence? In other words, no, we're past when they, that point. We were past that point. Yeah. In other words, so in they the were 1990s. looking for... Yeah. Okay. Got it. Magic Johnson at that point. Oh. No, but it's at the same point. He's trying. Listen, no one doubts Dr. Fauci's intention. It's a, the question of whether he complies with the best practices as a manager. And I think that's what it comes down to. We interviewed a whistleblower who got fired by his team, and he said Dr. Fauci seems to be more interested in the, the limelight, the, the, the giving the speeches going on television than managing his division. And this, you know, this is a guy that got fired as a whistleblower. And then they had to reinstate him because that one improved. He'd been retaliated against, and the safety issues he'd raised were very real. So you know, these are people that would work with him. Again, his intentions are not in doubt. His management record is a little more checkered than he makes out to be when he's on the television set. Um, when we look at, for example, and Dr. Oz and I have talked a lot about this. You know, now that we have these studies now supporting, you know, the mortality rate being cut in half, the Ford study as right. it relates to hydroxychloroquine and when used so early in, in treatment. 
it's so frustrating because whenever there's an intersection between politics and medicine, politics is always going to win. I didn't coin that phrase. Dr. Oz did. And that's a sad reality for me. And, you know, this is more art than science, as we've all learned here. Um, I think that what has frustrated many of my listeners and viewers is they feel that Dr. Fauci shows a political bias. I seem to think that I see it as well. And that's frustrating to me. Yeah, and also one of the things about great researchers, they have a high degree of confidence in themselves, and so it's hard for them. And you know, it's just are like you saying they have big egos? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. I would, yeah, big egos. They have big egos, and you know what? They deserve it. By the way, most of the things. dopey people that we know in TV are even worse. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Well, listen, in this case, he has a lot of confidence in his judgment, but you know, good people know that when they're wrong, the right thing to do is to backtrack. And, and I think that on hydroxychloroquine, there's a lot of medical researchers that thought it was a Trump gig, and they got out against it thinking, well, Trump's playing politics. It turns out Donald Trump was right. The studies have proven if you have early COVID, the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin saves lives, cuts deaths in half. And that's not Donald Trump saying it. That's an official. Uh, By the way, and the, and the combination of adding zinc to it, Dr. Oz was very clear about that this week. Yes. I mean, that, that can do that. Um, but, you know, one of the things Great the point. president outlined, we have National Guard troops in California, Texas, uh, Arizona and Florida. Uh, he right. has uh, top representatives from the administration in over nine states. Uh, there's nothing that any state needs that is not provided uh, expeditiously. There's no there, there's nothing that's not being given by the federal government. We never ran out of ventilators. None of this ever happened. And so it's frustrating that I don't think the president ever gets, uh, you know, any credit for it. Yeah, listen, one of the things we learned after Russia, and thanks to you and all the, all the attention you gave it on your shows, is that we have the ability in America today to create false realities that people will believe for a long time until you unravel it. And I think some of the narratives that the media have created about COVID and Donald Trump's response are just like the early narratives in Russia, overhyped, under, uh, lacking in facts, and over time, I think history will look back and find out, you know, this COVID thing was, was really China's fault as its core, and that the president did the best he had while also getting a lot of conflicting advices from people like Dr. Fauci and the head of the CDC and others. You go back over the months, I mean, the flip-flops are amazing. And, you know, here's a president trying to listen to the medical experts and make the best decisions. There's no doubt the best decision made to protect America, no doubt, empirically, experts, closing down the, the travel from China when he did. If he let it go a few more weeks, God knows what would have happened to this country. Uh, and then that's just the fact that nobody wants to ever give the president any credit for. We have less than a minute. Um, we're now getting close to Durham and Barr. And do you now see, and I, and I love your new book, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Appreciate Spies, you. the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clinton and Biden Dynasties. Do you now believe, as I do, that there are going to be prominent people indicted? Yes, a small number, but it's going to send shockwaves through the Washington establishment because John Durham is so thorough. The narrative of the indictments or the criminal plea bargains are going to knock people's socks off. This is one of the best prosecutors the Justice Department has ever had. How soon would you expect it? I hear it may be closer. Yeah, I think it's around that Labor Day time frame, the thing we've been talking about in your show, somewhere just before, just after Labor Day. It's getting closer. They're making great progress. All right, John Solomon, congrats on the book. It's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores, anywhere, everywhere. 
Uh, the president is on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue on the other side. Straight ahead. All right. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. President Donald J. Trump will be joining us. We'll have the latest news on the violence, the chaos, cities spiraling out of control. 15 mayors, Democrats, Democratic-run cities rejecting help of the president, more interested in playing politics with him than protecting their own citizens. Uh, I'll update you on Corona and all the other news you need to know. And the president, as I said, of the United States. 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. Set your DVR. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here tomorrow.